helpless, hurting, messed up, dragging, but I come unto thee. Let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord God, our strength and our redeemer. To my friend in the ministry, God bless you. I don't have to practice all that litany. Y'all know I love y'all's pastor. To this church, you all are always a blessing and a refreshing for me. I want you to know that. I also want you to know I'm not obedient to the text that y'all took. <laughs> Thank you, Miss Abby. <laughs> like to call your attention if there's a Bible near you. I want you to turn to the book of 1 Thessalonians. I'm not going to read all of chapter 1. Find chapter 2 for me. First eight verses. Now, chapter 2 is attached to chapter 1. So Paul starts off after telling them what they are as a church. We're going to talk about that. He then turns his attention to the brethren and to himself as a pastor. He says, for yourselves, brethren, know how our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain. But even after we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor of guile, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, with trieth our hearts. For neither at any time use we flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of, of covetousness. God is witness. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ, but were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherith, cherisheth her children. So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear unto us. You may be seated in the presence of God. I trust you all are. Now, I'll tell you, thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your prayers. Paul really is talking about two things here. He's talking about in the first two chapters of the book of Thessal Thessalonians, he's talking about his picture of the church and then he's talking about his picture of a pastor. Let me say two things really quickly. If anybody knew anything about pastoring and church people, it's the Apostle Paul. Paul starts this letter by saying there are some people that are hanging out with him, Silvanus or Silas and Timotheus or Timothy. What that says to me is as a pastor, a pastor should never be out there all by himself. He ought to have a Sylvanus and a Timotheus that he can count on when times get tough. Not only does Paul name these two people, but he's addressing this letter, he says, to the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God, the Father, and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I tell you this morning, church, that Jesus left the church here on earth on purpose. He, he didn't take the church right away to heaven with him, but he left the church 
Paul says, first of all, the church is in the Father because it was the Father's design to have folks saved through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and thereby entering the church. The church, Paul says, is in the Son, and I can't help myself. Can I just get this out of my system right now? That the safest place for us to be is in him. In him, we live, we move, we have our being. In him, we are accepted. In him, we are chosen before the foundation of the world. Can I tell you this morning that you cannot lose your salvation because you didn't earn it. And it was given to you by Almighty God before you even showed up. In him, we are already, I don't have to, I'm so glad that I don't have to wait. Somebody's going through a storm right now. Don't wait till the battle is over. Shout now. You're more than a conqueror in him. You are complete in him. You are seated in heavenly places in him. And we are the righteousness of God in him. All glory and praise is due him because of what he has done for us. Now I should be able to go home. That is the good news of the gospel. The devil, can I tell you right now, don't, don't, those of you that really have never gone through anything, don't shout, please. Don't, 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 don't shout. But if you've had your behind kicked, if you've been disrespected, if you've been marginalized, if you've been criticized, if you've been turned inside out, upside down, and every which way but loose, when Paul says, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us, then the us ought to be able to give God some glory. I wouldn't serve a God. I wouldn't serve a God that wouldn't make me act foolish every now and then. Oh, every now and then, you ought to lose your mind. Every now and then, you ought not to be concerned with who's looking at you. Every now and then, when I look back over my life, I don't know about your life, but when I look back over my life and I think things over, I can truly say, Paul says, we give thanks to God always for you all making mention of you in our prayers. New mission? Church folk ought to pray for church folk. Can, can I say that again? Y'all mess me up every time. I, I didn't ask Teresa for any other song. Because the Holy Spirit told me, they said, shut your mouth. She's going to play what you need to hear. I heard the chord. I'm like, oh, Lord. They might have to call 911 for me this morning. I pray for you. You pray for me. Oh, Lord, have watch God. I pray that your faith fail not. I pray that you be strengthened with might in the inner man. I pray that you know all the fullness of God. I pray for you. You pray for me, and things can't stay the same. If the church of the true and living God would get down on their knees and just start praying, the White House, we could turn it around. The courthouse. We wouldn't have to be watching TV to find out what the verdict's gonna be because we pray it down. If two of you, if two of you, it didn't say the pastor and the chairman of the deacon board, it didn't say Teresa and Lynette, it didn't say Miss Abby, it said if two of you shall agree on earth 
as touching anything that they shall ask of my father, it shall be done. Two, well, what's happening with the church is we can't get two folk to agree. Uh, I, I don't know who I'm talking to, maybe just to myself, but the usher board and the deacon board ought to be on one accord. If no other time in the history of the world, the church needs to pray now. If we don't pray now, we deserve what we get. Quit complaining about violence in the street. Come to church on Wednesday and pray. Matter of fact, beat somebody to church on Sunday morning. Don't go to your class, come into the sanctuary and start elevating your hands. I told you, you in a fight. Amalek stands for the devil. And Amalek is always on the case. But the church needs a Moses. You got a Moses. What Moses needs is some help. Is there a Joshua? And is there a her in the house? Oh, I see a lot of hymns, and I see a lot of hers, but are y'all any help to the progress and program of God? Preacher, why? Should the church pray? Can I give you three quick reasons and I'll move on? The world is wicked. Listen, the stuff we see on TV, the stuff we hear on the radio, the stuff we read on the internet lets me know that the world is wicked. Parents doing things to children that are an abomination to God. We need to pray. The times are troubling. Let me give you something funny, but we all feel it. Last week, we started with gas being around 3.30. By the middle of the week, it was 3.45. Before you got to the end of the week, it's 3.70. That's troubling. It's troubling that our Supreme Court wants to legislate who can and who cannot be married. That's troubling to me. The court never was supposed to enact laws. But what's more troubling to me is the silence from the church. Somebody said I was going to step on toes. That's not why I'm here. What's troubling to me, Tracy, is we teach, we preach, and they scream and holler and shout and sweat and then don't go vote. I'm, I'm, let me move off of that. Can I give you one more reason why we ought to pray? Sin is no longer contained in the streets. I'm glad I ain't talking about this does not happen in New Mission. But sin comes through the door on most churches on Sunday morning. Filthy thinking. You've been out partying and popping and hopping it all night long on Saturday and come Sunday morning, I said I ain't talking about new mission. On Sunday morning, saints are too tired to praise the Lord. You've been praising Beyonce all night long. Worshiping with P. Diddy. In praying for this church, Paul tells him, tells them rather, that he remembered 
some good things about them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. When you get down on your knees to pray for people, you ought to have some positive memories about them. You ought to remember some good things. It shouldn't be that when you turn on the video screen of your mind, you go, uh-oh. Cringe. Notice with me in verse 3. Paul names three things says, I remember you, your work of faith. Help me out, James. Faith without works is dead. Being alone. Paul says, I remember when I prayed for you all, you all really worked. Your faith was made manifest by what you did. Oh, saints, quit telling people you got faith if you don't put it on display. Paul says, next, I remember your labor of love. <laughs> love ain't lazy. See, some of the married women know exactly where I'm going. All y'all unmarried, single, wonderful, vibrant, attractive women, if he won't work, kick him to the curb. Just don't understand, he's fine. Not for long. He got it going on. Honey, he can't have that much going on if he ain't working. How fine can you be living with mama? Love works. If he don't have a job, tell him I can wait. See how long he stay around. Pastor, there are people in the church who will say they love you, but they won't work. You ask them, will you do this for me? No, well, you see, I have to go home and I, God bless you. There are people in the church who will make every announcement for you, who will be in front of everybody anytime you want to put them in front of anybody, but they won't work. God worked. Jesus worked. The Holy Ghost worked. I'll leave that alone. Not only did Paul pray for pray and remember that they had a labor of love, they had a work of faith, but he says that they were patient in waiting for the Lord. Amen. That phrase bothered me, so I had to do some digging. What it's really saying is these folk loved and worked and waited and looked and hoped for and understood that Jesus is on the way back. They didn't get confused with all the drama. Can I, can, pause. Too many of us get sidetracked with all the drama that's going on around us. We're saved, sanctified, sealed, and caught up with drama. Can I just share with you this morning? Look for Jesus to return. I, I, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but the Lord that we serve is his return is imminent. What that means is before I can, he could show up. Here's a question, let me ask you right now, that if he comes before I, are you ready to receive him? Are you dressed? Are you dressed and ready to go? See, if you're ready to go, you got your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. You got your legs and your loins girt about with truth. You got the helmet of salvation on. And you got the shield of faith. You ready to go if he should. We don't look. 
for somebody else to reelect. We don't look for laws to be reenacted. If we're born again, what we're looking for is Jesus to return. Paul says, let me, let me, let me, let me make this thing a little clearer. Y'all got to pray for me right now. Knowing, Lord have mercy, knowing your election of God, knowing, not feeling. We want to feel everything. Oh, I didn't feel the spirit move today. Well, if you saved, you saved. The spirit's always moving. Maybe you just. The spirit was right here. Everybody else felt him. Everybody else saw him, but you over. I didn't feel. Paul says, don't feel it, know it. Do you have a no soul salvation this morning? You ought to know so. You were elected before the foundation of the world. That one always messes me up. So before I breathed, before she conceived, God already chose. Did y'all hear that? Before your conception, God said, I want you and you and you. And once I choose you, I can't lose you. My election, your election means you're saved forever. You're sealed with the Holy Ghost. And the evidence is not speaking in tongues, but the evidence is a changed life. Oh, oh, oh I'm going to get way ahead of myself. Come here, Legion. Can I talk to you for a minute? Yes, sir, Harper, what do you want? Would you tell me, would you tell us what happened to you when Jesus came into your life? Oh, let me tell you, I had a legion of angels, demons all down on the inside of me. I used to run through the graveyard. See, we think we're doing something. A lot of us ran through graveyards. Or oh, it's a graveyard of life. We, we, we weren't in a physical graveyard. We were in a spiritual graveyard. Tombstones all over the place. This man said, I cut myself. Any of you all in the self-mutilation? Oh, yes, we are. The places we go mutilate our spirits. The things we take in mutilate our spirits. The things that come out of us mutilate our spirits. So we're just like demons, just like legion, lots of demons. But thank God for the but. Legion said, I was jacked up until the day that Jesus came into my life. So many devils in me. I said, Jesus, please do not kill me. Send us out into the pigs. And Jesus said, go. I want you to see the change in Legion. No more living in the graveyard. No more. You know what? He was so bad. I, I, I have this picture in my head. Y'all got to forgive me. But Legion had to be a brother. <laughs> Legion, I, I, I'm sorry, but Legion had to be a brother, a big brother, because they said they tried to bind him with chains. It's like Samson, pop! Chains couldn't hold him. But when Jesus came into the man's life, we see him sitting at the feet of Jesus. Don't tell me that Jesus can't make a change. I, I got a call. That was for the men. Now I got to call one more witness. Come here, lady from Samaria. Can you help us out? Yeah. I was the talk of the town, and the talk wasn't good talk. This dude named Jesus came strolling into town and sat down on the side of the well and told me he was tired. Give me a drink of water. We had this running conversation, and I said, sir, if you just... It, it, you don't even need to be talking to me. How can you do that? You a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. He said, if you only knew. If you only knew who it was that was asking you for water, you would ask him of water, and he would give you living water. Oh, you know the story. Fast forward. She came at an hour when she knew nobody was going to be there. If you're the talk of the town, you don't want to be surrounded by the townspeople. <laughs> she came with a water pot. She had a conversation with Jesus. She left the water pot. Went running back to town. Running. 
back to town, catch this, to the men. To the men, to her patrons, to her customers, to the people who had defiled her. Let me tell you that when Jesus gets a hold of you, you got enough boldness to go right back into the lion's den and tell him, my God is able. Drug dealers, drug takers, get a dose of Jesus. Get OD on Jesus, and you can go back to the, to the corner, and while they're waiting to score, you give them Jesus. Pay attention. Pay attention to this. Paul says in verse 5, I, I'm, I'm trying to get there. Our gospel came unto you not in word only. Pastor, I dare say that this church, this body of believers, was a gospel-based church. Too many places today have gotten away from the gospel. People today want prosperity preaching. They want to be able to name it and claim it. In order for you to claim it, let me see the hands of all of you who are really ready to suffer. That's what I thought. If we would reign with him, we must suffer with him. Too many people want a social issue. Especially for us, there are so many issues that face us, we need the church to stand up and say something about the issues that confront us. I agree. That ain't the reason for the church. Social issues are secondary. Social issues have to step down. The reason that the church is in place is that from the pastor and his pulpit, the name of Jesus sounds out. That the cross of Christ is elevated. And I know that in most places that ain't popular. But Pastor Venice, you just keep preaching Jesus. Can I tell you young people that Jesus works for Mahalia Jackson? But Jesus works for Mary Mary. Jesus works for James Cleveland. And Jesus works for Kirk Franklin. If you preach Jesus, him exalted, him crucified, him being the only way back to the Father, young people will get saved. Those two young men, I started to say, I don't need to preach nothing. They don't preach at all. Jesus will draw, no matter what the age group, no matter what the economic group, no matter what the socioeconomic educational group, Jesus will draw them. Listen. You remember the crucifixion, don't you? I love this one. You ever have things in the Bible that just drive you nuts? This one just drives me nuts. Didn't Jesus say, if I be lifted up? What'd he do? I'll draw. I don't know if I told you this before, but if I did, forgive me, I'm going to tell you again. They laid Jesus down in the dirt, and they pinned, pinioned his hands, right? In his hand, some people say wrist, to a crossbeam. Then they pinioned that to a pike or a pole, basically a tree. Now, so far, they're okay. They're fine. He's dying, but he's on the ground. But they messed up. Oh, they messed up. They started pulling at the ropes, and that cross started coming up. And the more they pulled, the more Jesus was elevated. And the more he was elevated, the more drawing power he had. They dropped that cross down in the socket of the ground. And right then, he began to draw men unto himself. I think I'm right about it. Wait a minute. There's a thief on the left-hand side. If you be the son of God, come down off this cross. Take us with you. But I'm so glad there's always a right side with God. The thief on the right-hand side said, you need to shut up because this man has done nothing amiss. We deserve the punishment. Lord, remember me. I'm a thief. Remember me. I'm a criminal. Remember me. I'm a thug. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Listen to the drawing power of Jesus. He stopped dying. 
told death, stop. Hold on a minute. I got somebody that I got to get into the kingdom before. Today, I'm so glad that there are times that the Savior says, I don't have to wait on you to change. I'll save you in a day. There are times that he doesn't wait for you to make any turnaround. I'll save you. The church is built on unchangeable Christ. Help me, songwriter. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Jesus said, I'm the same. When? Yesterday. What? I'm the same today, too. So the problems you had yesterday don't mean nothing to me. The problems you got today don't mean nothing to me. Hold on, don't, don't leave me. And the problems that you're going to have tomorrow, I have all power. How much? How much? Stop. Where did he place you? Say it again. In him. If you are placed in him, where are your problems? Where are your troubles? And if he has all power, then your problems are no problem for somebody that has all power. Now, those of us that have been beat up ought to shout now. Because we've already got the victory, already got the solution. Jesus has the power to change lives. I already called two witnesses. But if I asked some of you, you would tell me, oh, yes, he's got the power. Oh, yes, he does. I used to sell drugs. Oh, yes, I did. But I ain't a drug dealer no more. Some of you would say, I used to be an alcoholic. I couldn't get through the day without having a drink. But I don't do that anymore. Why? Because the power of Jesus Christ has taken up residence. <laughs> Paul says in the same verse, he mentions the third person of the Trinity. Baptist folk in the main don't like to hear about the Holy Ghost. Uh-oh. Don't y'all don't get quiet on me. Don't, don't y'all dare get quiet on me now. <laughs> the Holy Ghost makes us nervous because our Pentecostal friends say you got to speak in tongues. No, you don't. The Holy Ghost makes us nervous because we realize he's God. But he's God on the inside of us. Uh-oh, 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 uh-oh. Wait a minute. I've been born again by the power of my walking down the aisle. I've been born again by the power of my denominational creed. No, I've been born again because one day I heard the word and the Holy Ghost overshadowed me just like he did Mary and that holy thing that is born inside of us is the Son of God. Paul says to make known the, this mystery among the Gentiles, that is, Christ in you. Oh, my God. Almighty God contained in this body? No wonder we act crazy. No wonder we get beside ourselves when we get filled with the Holy Ghost. Oh, I, I wish I was a little more articulate. See, it's the Holy Ghost that births you. Then it's the Holy Ghost that seals you. Then it's the Holy Ghost that binds us all together. And it's the Holy Ghost that once we're all assembled in this same place, he starts to distribute gifts to everybody. He gives gifts of encouragement. He gives gifts of help. He gives gifts of administration. Why? Because the Holy Ghost wants the body 
fully developed. Oh, 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 oh. In, in a Baptist church, it gets scary when we start seeing people operate under the power of the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you, if you don't operate under the power and direction of the Holy Ghost, you don't have church. You have a gathering. You might have a club, a fraternity, or a sorority. But until the Holy Ghost shows up, I, I don't know about you, but I, I, don't, I won't preach unless I know that came from the Holy Ghost. I had to learn the hard way to differentiate, differentiate between what's flesh and what's spirit. What's flesh makes me feel good. Don't help you at all. No. But what's spirit, everybody can take a bite. My bite might not be as big as your bite, but I get to bite off the same piece of Wonder Bread. Can, can I say this to you before I move on? Embrace the Holy Ghost. Just let him flow. He ain't gonna hurt you. He ain't gonna hurt you. The Holy Ghost is a gentleman. He ain't gonna, I don't know if I should. Look, raise your hands. It ain't, it ain't gonna hurt. It's free. Some of you, open your mouth and sing. You'd be surprised what comes out of you if you do. I, I'll move, I'll move, I'll move, I'll move. <laughs> I, Jesus, Jesus. The Holy Ghost <laughs> does not cause us. Where's she at? Where's that lady that was doing that dancing and talking? She's up here somewhere. Anyway, the Holy Ghost. There you are. You changed from white to black. It's confused the brother. <laughs> I know I need glasses now. I'm like, boy. <laughs> The Holy Ghost will bind you all together. Then he begins to sew you together. Then he begins to knit you together so that when life begins to pull at one, everybody feels the tug. They ain't got it. Come here, Sister Abby. When life begins, pull her, pull her. Pull, just pull. When life begins to pull at one, the other person feels it. And the Holy Ghost will say, wait a minute, the body is in trouble. I gotta go help the other part of the body. The Holy Ghost won't leave us out here all by ourselves. Even if it is your fault, the Holy Ghost has an in spite of kind of love. Oh, I don't know about you, but I need in spite of, in spite of myself, in spite of my circumstance, in spite of my troubles, the Holy Ghost has a power to pull me back. Church has to operate in the power and the dynamic of the Holy Ghost. Time's over for all that traditional mess. Well, they should have known better. Yeah, but what about you yesterday, boo? Let me get off the, let me get off the church. Paul now gives us a perspective of pastoring. I've already said it, so let me say it again. If anybody has the right summary for pastoring, it's Paul. Listen, God said, can, I, I think I said this two years ago. I skipped saying it last year probably. Uh, I've got to say it this year. God, repeat after me, God, God calls, calls pastors. pastors. Now, if you believe that, give your pastor some love. God called Paul. No council called Paul. <laughs> no ecclesiastical arm of the church called Paul. God called Paul. Read, read, read Acts chapter 9 and you'll, you'll get it. Paul 
conducted three missionary trips. Peter didn't do that. Paul established multiple churches. I was going to try to count. I lost count. I'm like, he just, everywhere he goes, he's establishing a church. Paul wrote 14 books of the 27 books of the New Testament. Now, some of you say, wait, 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 wait. I, I thought it was 13. No, I'm giving him credit for writing the book of Hebrews. Paul suffered more than anybody else. <laughs> Can I have fun with this point, please? Paul lost his head for Jesus. Paul lost his head. Y'all not following me. He lost his head two ways. He lost his mind, then he lost his head. Now, follow this. When you lose your mind over somebody, your heart has to follow. Just turn the page back. You saw him or her and you lost your mind. Everything you thought about was how can I? When shall we? How, when, where, why? Lost your mind. Couldn't eat. Couldn't sleep. Couldn't work right until that object became yours. Little do you know, do you know your heart followed, actually, your mind followed your heart. She's with me. See, your head can't go where your heart won't let it. That, that'll catch up in a second. Quickly, there are some words that begin with the letter P that can be employed while we look at Paul's perspective on pastoring. If y'all take a note, here's the first word, production. Production. First verse said, our entrance unto you was not in vain. So, pastor, there's always going to be some results for your efforts in the ministry. Paul, y'all, only spent three weeks in Thessalonica. But in three weeks, he establishes a church. That says to me that it don't always take a long time to do anything for God. Sometimes we hinder the process of God because we have our own agenda. God says, here's the production line. Stay in line and I'll produce what needs to be produced. There's a production. Let me just lay it out. When we are in the mode of producing for God, number one, folks get saved. Hallelujah. I'm so glad I learned the hard way. We don't save nobody. Our, our words don't save nobody. It's the Holy Ghost that saves the people. When he starts working on people's hearts, if they're elected, they cannot but yield to the pressure. You know what? You can't resist the pressure of God. God can put his hand on you. Lord have mercy. You'll be begging for him. Lord, take your hand. Take that up off of me. Folk will get saved. Number two, Christ is preached. When we preach Jesus, oh, some people ain't going to like it because they want to hear other stuff. But preach Jesus. Uh, somebody saying Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to them. If you look back over your life, you have to be honest and say Jesus is the best thing. My wife is a good thing. My mother is a good thing. But Jesus, best thing. Christ was preached in Thessalonica. People got saved in Thessalonica. God got glorified, and a church grew up. Pastor, you stay in a production mode. And let God, our problem is we want to see, we want to see the results. You preach, you pastor, you lead, let the results rest with God. Now, I wish this next P word just were not true, but there are going to be problems. Paul says, but even after that we suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel. Pastor, there's going to be problems. Man, you and I have had some fun talking about problems. Some of the problems are internal. 
they us. We all have our mess. We all have our dispositions. You and I, we have likes and dislikes. On the wrong day, at the wrong time, given the right circumstances, the wrong man is going to show up. I won't speak for him, but on a certain day, if you say a certain thing, a certain way, you're going to get that old Robert. You're going to get the Robert that speaks in a known tongue and you will not need an interpreter. Can I get a witness? Problems, issues, and internal. Some of our issues go all the way back, and I didn't even mean to go here, Holy Ghost. Some of our issues go all the way back to our childhood, and we done tried to, but they still are issues. And if we ain't careful, if we didn't drop them in Christ, whatever ground we dropped them in, they coming back up. If I stepped on your toes, just out. It's like a seed. If I drop an acorn in our backyard, I got, we got walnuts, I'll do that one. If I take a walnut and I bury it, and I walk away, God's going to let it rain. Those, that shell is going to begin to deteriorate. And under the pressure of earth and the rain, it's going to sprout roots. Oh, Lord. And if it sprouts roots, it's coming up. The stuff that happened in my childhood comes up that I never dealt with. The stuff that happened on my job that I knew down on the inside I didn't like, but I didn't say anything about it. It's coming up. We got, maybe this applies to churches as well as pastors, pew as well as pastor, internal problems. Anybody here got any internal issues? You got, you got any issues? People on this side of the room don't seem to have issues. Then, they're external problems. Man. People, people, people. Oh, did I say that? Did I repeat myself? You know, the disciples had a problem. Their problem was they didn't think they had enough. They didn't have enough bread. They didn't have enough fish. They didn't have enough food. Problem. Scarcity. They had a poverty mentality. Hello. They had a poverty mentality. I don't have enough money to make it to the end of the month. I don't have the resources that I need to cover whatever this is. I don't have it. Good. You're in the best place possible. Put them in Jesus' hands. Put them in his hands. Because if he can multiply a few loaves of bread and a few fish, what can he do with your finances? In his hands, the blind people began to see. At his hands, lame people walk. And some of us are in dead relationships. I came to tell you that's a good place too because all you have to do is get them to his hand. He touched the funeral procession going out of a one-horse town called Nain. There was an old lady's son who was dead and gone, but when Jesus, listen, when Jesus is on the scene, Oh, y'all not with me, so let me hurry up. Your dead stuff can come back to life again. Your marriage dead? Put it in Ladies, take your mouth off your husband. Get down on your knees. Get out of the way and put him in Jesus' hand. She won't cook. Y'all thought y'all off the hook, didn't you? She won't clean. Yeah, I just keep it right here. Quit, quit fussing. Your children won't do right. Quit yelling and screaming. 
I don't do no good. After a while, they quit listening. They turn you off, turn the TV on. Put them in the hands. If his hands made the world, what can your hands do? Paul talks about the preaching of the pastor. What has crushed me? Number one, three real quick points. There has to be purity in the message. That the doctrine can't be polluted. Too many pastors today are preaching what people want to hear. That bothers me. They know what the Bible says, but rather than preach what the Bible says, they preach what the congregation wants to hear. I, I'm, I'm convinced, as Paul said about Timothy, I'm convinced of better things out of you. I know that the doctrine will come across this sacred desk in purity and in sincerity. But since it's in the text, just a reminder, doctrine's pure. Then our morality, let me come down here. Our morality has to be pure. Too many places pastors are feeding off the sheep instead of feeding the sheep. It is our job to stand in front of them and exemplify purity. But how can we be pure if we're having an affair with Sister Johnny over there? Morality has to be pure. I had to let God beat me on this one. How can we stand in the pulpit and preach that God does not like certain things and we look up and see certain things and allow it? Purity in message, purity in morality, and then purity in motive. Paul said, woe unto me if I preach not this gospel. Cincinnati, Ohio has too many preachers that preach for money. They preach for notoriety. They preach so that we can look at them and applaud them. Once again, I can say, I am convinced of better things than that but from you. But so that this congregation will know. Peerless. Can I, can, let, let me just step aside for a second and I'll come back into character. My mama really knows me. My wife really knows me. My uncles really know me. I ain't the easiest person in the world to get along with. Hush back there. <laughs> I won't let everybody call me friend. I, I won't. And I will not. A lot of people say, oh, he's my friend. And I just go, mm. <laughs> you can ask my wife. <laughs> That's my friend. Because I know what kind of man he is. Peerless. Now, I'll step back in. Paul says, Pastor, that there is a preciousness to this thing. Look at verse 4 with me, Tracy. But as we were allowed of God, we have been allowed. We've been allowed to handle the word of God. Given permission. <laughs> he selected you before you came out of your mama. Then, here's what we don't understand. 
all the hell he went through all his life, God wasn't doing nothing but making him ready. Being as crazy, <laughs> doing stuff. God was saying, I'm tempering him. Y'all can't see that yet, but I'm working on him. Then get you to a point where he can approve you. Before people, he approves you. Then in that process of time, he appoints you. He said, all right, now that I've gotten what I need to have gotten out of you for right now, now there's a place for you. This is the place, and now is the time. And you all are the beneficiaries and recipients of his weekly anointing. Oh, you can't tell me that you're not anointed, that he ain't anointed. I've come through the door. You know what? How many of you have come through that door and gone, whoa? You just walk through the door. I heard a young man say, you know what? I like talking to him. You know why I like talking to him? Because, not because he tells me about what he was before he's in Christ, but now that he's in Christ, he don't do nothing but pour out. I've tried to get him to shut up long enough to let me pour into him. That don't work well. We have been allowed to be put in trust with the gospel. The gospel. The gospel that changes folk from light, from darkness to light. The gospel that challenges folk to live better. Can, 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 I, can I talk to some of y'all? We can't be under the anointing, hearing the gospel week after week and remain the same. I might get in trouble seriously this time. But if year after year of hearing the gospel, week after with 52 Sundays a year, the Holy Ghost is moving and you can still comfortably send the sin you sin because you like to, check your connection. A wire has come loose. Oops. The gospel cuts. Let me say this. I'm not even going to read the rest of this. How many of you can remember when we used to have those silver things that we would put on the side of the can and you would crank it to open the can? You got one? Amen. How many of you... All right, so now I got some... How many of you have ever been cut by a can? Hurt so bad you can't even scream. Just That's how badly the gospel cuts us. Oh, when you have been born again and you do what the gospel says don't do, the sword... Pastor, you and I both know we're not fit, but God enables us. God pours out his grace. God gives an endowment of the Holy Ghost so that we might do what he's asked us to do. For those of you that are holding your breath and say, boy, okay, how long has he been here? Come with me. I'm ending. Come with me. I need you to participate with me. Come with me. Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. And at first, I thought this was just going to be aimed at the pastor. No, this is for everybody. This is for everybody. Matthew chapter 25, verse 21. See, here's the issue. 
One day, all of us will be down here, stretched this way. One day, all of us, you know, you have an expiration date on you. You have an expiration date. Your problem and my problem is we can't read what the expiration date is. My wife gets on me because she said, did you look at the expiration date on that medicine? I'm like, no. She said, it expired a year ago. Throw it away. God says there's an expiration date on you. We all will die. Dying is not bad. What comes after dying may be great or may be awful. But if you're faithful, I want you to hear what happens for faithful pastors and faithful members. Verse 21. You know the story. There's been a distribution of talents. The Lord has taken a journey. And now he's come back. And he's giving a reckoning, an accounting of what folk have done with the talents. I need to tell you real quickly that God didn't give you all that good stuff for nothing. He, he expects a return on his investment. 21. And his Lord said unto him, this is the one that had five, well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Okay, quickly. Number one, the Lord spoke to the servant personally. He is the Lord's servant. We don't have to deal with him in, in terms of finality. That's God's job. But since he's faithful, and if you're faithful, you're striving to hear two words. You know what? It don't take God a long time to say anything. The Lord spoke to this servant and said, well done. How many of you want to hear that? Well done. Now, that's what he said directly to the servant. Now, notice the evaluation of the work. Good and faithful servant. The work is both good and faithful. And God just adds this word servant in. He says, you've done everything I've wanted you to do. Or you've at least attempted to do it. For the servants, he doesn't promise us sunshine all the time. Sometimes it's going to be rainy. It's going to be slippery. It's going to be muddy and foggy. But this servant kept working, so he hears the word, well done, good and faithful servant. Notice quickly the Lord's attention to the details of the work. He says, thou has been faithful over a few things. We have the wrong view. We say we got so much to do, and God said it's just a little bit of stuff. Just be faithful in a little bit of stuff that I give to you. Then he says, I will make the ruler. Wait a minute, God, I was only faithful in a little bit of stuff. But I'm going to make you ruler over many things. That should be enough. But then he sums it up by saying, enter into the joy of thy Lord. Pastor and church, there's coming a day when we're all going to have to give an account. And all of us want to hear those two words, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, for those of us that are walking the narrow way, the Bible tells me that we'll be entering streets of gold through gates of pearls in a city that has 12 foundations whose builder and maker is God. But I just want to close with this verse. Before we get to heaven, before we walk on those golden streets, we need to make sure that we're some earthly good. That's what you all read earlier. God has a prescriptive plan for your life, but he's also got a magnificent outcome for your life. Therefore, my brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. He's coming back one day, and he wants to find his servants busy at work. So no matter what happens, my friend, keep at the work. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep at the work. 
And one day, you'll be able to walk exactly where Peter walked. You'll be able to walk exactly where Paul walked. One day, you'll leave this earth, and you'll see your Savior face to face. And then you'll know it's been worth it all. Right now, it don't look like it's worth it all. But keep on walking. One day, you'll see your Savior, and he'll say, Tracy, well done. Good and faithful. They didn't believe you. You kept on working. Keep working until you hear those two words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. Walk on to the rain. Keep moving. Do not let anything turn you around. God bless you. God bless you.